Grab your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. Now, we're going to read this whole chapter, but we're not going to preach this whole chapter. We're going to use this as a backdrop for that that the Holy Spirit has given us for today. And so, uh, just, you know, we may hit a little bit of the story along the way before we get to the point of preaching. But um, I just believe that the Lord wants to speak to us. Grab your Bibles and stand with me as we reverence God's holy word. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched against Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. So up to this point, we find the Philistines had brought the battle against Israel, and now 4,000 of the troops have been killed. Verse 3, And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. And I want you to notice that. The intentions of the Israelites was for what it would do for them. And that's a dangerous place to be when we come to church just for what church will do for us. I want you to recognize that today. Verse 4, so the people sent to Shiloh that they may bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. I want you to notice that. Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were actually wicked servants. Matter of fact, judgment came to the house of Eli or was coming because of his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, which is a representation of the religious church of the day. Verse 5, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. Israel shouted because the ark came. You know what it was? It was an empty religious shout. It was one of those of what I'd call it was a good service. It didn't have a whole lot of substance. Verse 6, And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us. For there hath not been such a thing heretofore. The enemy knew of the potential that when the ark of God came into the camp, had the Israelites approached it correctly, had they approached it in worship, had they approached it with sacrifice, had they approached it for what they could offer unto the Lord, the enemy would have been subdued. But because they approached it as they did with dirty hands, the Philistines, the Bible said, they were afraid. They said, God's in the camp. But in verse number 8, it says, they said, Woe unto us. Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smoke the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that you be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. It was a rally cry of the enemy for total domination. And in verse 10, the Bible says the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter for their fellow of Israel, 30,000 footmen. The enemy was more determined 
than Israel. Verse 11, the ark of God was taken. The two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were slain. There ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh that same day with his clothes rent with the earth upon his head. When he came low, Eli, the high priest, sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. When the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? The man came in hastily and told Eli. What a great contrast we see from over in the previous verses where the Philistines heard the noise of the shout. And now Eli hears the noise of the cry and says, What what meaneth this great noise? Verse number 15, Now Eli was... Ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. The man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army. And I fled today out of the army and said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God, that he fell down from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck brake and he died. For he was an old man and heavy and he judged Israel 40 years. And his daughter-in-law Phinehas, his wife, was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed for her pains came upon her. About the time of, of of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, For the house born a son, but she answered not, neither did she regard it. She named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the the ark of God was taken, because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. I want you to look at that very last verse there, if you would. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. For the past several days, I've felt the Holy Spirit dealing with me on a number of passages of Scripture. As I begin to pull them all together, He led me here to 1 Samuel 4. For just a little while this morning, I want to talk to you on this thought, is the glory gone? Is the glory gone? Come on, help me pray. Jesus, We thank you, Lord, for this service. Thank you for just being with us this morning. We thank you for the sweetness of your presence. We thank you for the heart of worship that has already gotten up in this place today. In this gymnasium, Lord, we've come to magnify you and to glorify you. And God, as as we look to your word, I just, I pray you let it come alive with such revelation. I pray, Almighty God, that the unction of the Holy Ghost will come right here and right now. Lord, as I stand behind this sacred desk, Lord, I I know the responsibility is great. God, I ask you to clothe me even now with the anointing of your Spirit. It's only by your anointing I can preach today anything that would be life-changing, Lord, from my lips. Without the anointing, Lord, I know it's death. So, Lord, I ask you to anoint that life can flow in this place this morning. I pray, God, you will fill my mouth, that you will speak through me. 
that today there will be a stirring in this place. There will be an awakening in this place. There will be a revival in this place today. God, truly let us be changed by what you do in this room this morning. We cry out unto you in this moment. Speak to us through your word. Let us be forever changed. We'll give you praise for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you as you're seated this morning. This passage of Scripture that we've just read, I'm I'm not going to preach it this morning in exposition to dissect it verse by verse because I don't believe that's what the Lord would have me to do for one and time would not allow for the other. But I want us to use it as a backdrop to see, to see a situation where the ark of God was ready and available and yet defeat came. The ark of God ready and available and because of the approach, destruction came. The ark of God ready and available was stolen from the very hands of the ones in whom it was entrusted and as a result, the very name Ichabod was given to the firstborn of a generation in declaration that the glory is departed. Today I want you to know that the sad reality is that we're living in a day and an hour that is filled with a generation of Ichabods. The glory has departed. Hophni and Phinehas, we see these two sons of the priest Eli as wicked individuals. They grew up in the temple. They grew up around the presence of the Lord. And as a result, they took it for granted. As a result, they lived carnally, fleshly. And as a result, their very sins brought destruction unto Israel. You see, it is a very prime example, if you would, of how a religious spirit causes the glory of God to depart there's anything I can say to you this morning about Cross Point Church as we are here today is that when God birthed it in our spirit to start this ministry, he told me and dealt with me day after day, week after week, the things that he did not want us to be. And one of those primary things was he did not want us to slip into a place of a religious spirit. He did not want us to become the ministry machine that we have operated in in times past. I pray you understand and hear my heart today because for many it's all that we knew. We grew up with these things. We grew up. That was church. You know, it was a few songs, it was a few points, it was a few minutes around an altar and you went home and maybe you went to the altar and cried a little bit at the altar and, 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 and you know, it, it seemed you loved each other and you loved the Lord and, and, and it was good, but I believe that so many of us truly missed out in times of when the glory of God wanted to move in our lives. 
I want to ask you today, how many of you can remember a time in your life that you would say it was the greatest move of God you have ever experienced? Can you remember a time like that? If you can, I want you to slip your hand up and say, I remember it. I can remember in my own life, I can walk you through times and I feel the Holy Spirit as I stand on this platform today. I remember times in my life that it was as the waves of God's glory just pounding against us as we stood in the, in the house of God worshiping Him. I can remember those times and, and thankfully we've had some of those times here to a degree and I'm thankful for that. But you see, for most of us, the sad truth is that is a, a memory of those times when God's glory just 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 begin to just uh, to fill the place up so that it wasn't just a few folks that were being touched. It was the multitude. There were more folks being touched by the power of God than there were sitting there watching folks being touched by the power of God. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about a move of God where people are getting saved in the service, filled with the Holy Ghost in the service, baptized in the presence of God in such power. They're slain in the Spirit in the service, healed in the service, overwhelmed with His glory to the place that tears are streaming down their face. They're shouting all over the place in the Pentecostal power of His Spirit. Some take off and run as the glory falls and, and people's lives are being transformed and changed, I mean truly converted and changed by the power of God. I, I'm talking about a glory cloud that fills the room that people want to fall on their face because it's so thick. Have you ever been in a service before that literally it was like a haze was in the room as the Shekinah glory of God filled the place? See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever and I am one that I refuse to believe that the glory is gone, that it'll never move like that again, that it'll never work like that again, that it'll never happen again. And maybe I'm by myself, but today I stand before you with a hunger in my soul not to be the greatest ministry in a community, not to be a, the largest church in a community, but to be a place if we don't have anything else, we've got the glory of God showing up when we show up here and worship him. We must have his glory. I don't want church as usual. I don't want a ministry machine. I'm not after what man can do. I'm after only what God can do. And I know the odds are stacked against us. And many of us have had to work that religious spirit out of us where we can see clearly what God desires to do but understand today that the result of a religious spirit is the glory of God being departing. Being or departing. The result of a carnal, fleshly, worldly leadership is the 
the glory departing. And when the glory departs, wickedness and evil and debauchery and iniquity and sin runs rampant. Listen to me today. We're living in a day and in an hour, and I know it sounds cliche, but it is the truth that if there has ever been a time that the church must rise to the occasion and be filled with the glory of God, it is now. If there's ever been a time that we need to have miracles in this place, it is now. If there's ever been a time that when somebody walks through that door bound by the devil, they find deliverance at an altar because there's the power of God in the place, it is now. We need his glory now. Tomorrow won't do. Next week won't do. Next month won't do. Next year won't do. We need God's glory now. In the midst of this generation, I want to be a place we got more to offer them than just connection with us. Oh, we want to be a place of connection. But more than anything, I want to be a place of transformation. If they never attend this church, if they come one time, I want them to walk in and their life be changed because of the power of God moving upon them. I recognize, I understand the odds are stacked against us because of the generation that we are living in. In Proverbs chapter 30, stay with me just a moment. Proverbs 30, the Bible tells us, verses 11 through 14. And I'm not, yes, I will. Verse 11 shows us that there is a generation that cursed their father and doth not bless their mother. You know what that Solomon's talking about? A generation from dysfunctional families. Daddy did them wrong. Mama did them wrong. Cursed daddy. Don't want to have nothing to do with mama. Verse 12. A generation filled with self-righteousness. For there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. Verse 13, a generation filled with pride. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Verse 14, a generation that is angry and selfish. Said there is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth are as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. See, I want to ask you something today. Should the Lord tarry his coming, what will this world look like 20 years from now? What will 2042 look like? Should the Lord tarry? Well, Pastor, I know the Lord has got to come. This world cannot stand. That's my very words. I've said the exact same thing, but what if? What if? You see, we can't bury our heads in the sand, we can't hide in the closet. The word of God says, for what? Tarry till he comes. In other words, we're looking for his appearing and we're waiting on him. But we've still got a work to do. And friends, I'm going to tell you something. 
I, I, I know that, that things look glim, uh, gloomy and, and, they, and they look dark. And I know if we think about 20 years from now where it could be. But listen to me. We cannot discount what the glory of God showing up again can do if it has to start in a small community like Ponce de Leon and spread from here. So be it. God is just looking for a people that will say, I don't want to be a stuck-in-the-mud, dry-stale, cracker-juice, religious, poor excuse of a Christian. I want the power of God. I want the anointing of God. I want the glory of God to be real in my heart and in my life in these last days. Almighty God, give me something that I can give somebody else. Ecclesiastes 1 and 4, Solomon said, One generation passeth away, and another cometh, but the earth abided forever. Generation after generation after generation. What does the next generation look like? 2,000 years ago, Jesus described the generation of his day like this. In Matthew 16 and 4, he called him a wicked and adulterous generation. Matthew 17 and 17, he called him a faithless and a perverse generation. Matthew 23 and 33, speaking especially to the church of the day in that generation, he said, you serpents and generation, generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Mark chapter 8, verse 38, again, he called them adulterous and a sinful generation. How much more, 2,000 years later, are we living in a time of such wicked, evil, adulterous, faithless, perverse, and a sinful generation? We are living in that day and in that hour. It's bad enough that even the apostle Paul dealt with it, and he said in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy about the last day's generation, and I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. He said, you shall know this truth that in the last days, Timothy, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others, have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure more than God. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly stay away from people like that that was the words of the apostle Paul unto the preacher Timothy listen to me today this is a generation that has been given to wickedness God help us I know some may get upset for me saying this but God help us with the quack that's in the White House and the folks he's put in his cabinet positions is enough to show us the direction that this nation is going It's beyond just high gas prices and high food prices and inflation on every corner and headed into a recession. The greatest recession we're experiencing right now has nothing to do with the economy. It is spiritually. And understand today, I don't know if it will ever turn around in the entire nation, but God help us that while we are here, that we will have the faith to believe that if it's just our little small part of the world over here in Holmes County, and Walton County and Washington County that we will believe that God's glory is still ready and available for all who are hungry, all who are thirsty, all who are desperate if we'll but call out on his name. The danger of 2022 is God's people 
who are surrounded by wickedness on every side. The danger is us growing stagnant and complacent and spiritually lethargic to the place that the wickedness of this world begins to infiltrate our lives and then into our homes and then ultimately into the church to the point that the glory of God leaves us. Listen to me. Help me, Lord. I'm not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect preacher. I'm not a perfect pastor. But every day of my life, I strive to walk in integrity before God. Every day of my life. And I'm going to tell you something. Help me, Lord. The reason that God's glory is not being revealed in the days that we're in is because the church the pastors the preachers the board members the teachers the singers we like to have good church we like to have good services well we've missed the point of the ark of God coming into our camp It's not about what he can do for us. It's about worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And there's far too many folks that have touched it with dirty hands. And there's far too many folks that have been hypocrites in the church. Help me, Lord. And it's far too many folks that have been double-minded in the church. Listen to me. He's still a miracle-working God. If we're not experiencing miracles, it's not God's fault. It's ours. If we're not experiencing his glory, it's not God's fault. It's ours. We need to repent. We need to fall on our faces before a holy God and ask him to forgive us for our spiritual laziness and being lethargic and complacent. And I might not get an amen on that, but it's the truth. I'm not trying to dig around the trash can today. I'm not aiming for your toes. I'm aiming for your heart because I need somebody to join with me and let's go after God with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. Here we are in an old gymnasium. Let's not waste our time. Let's not waste God's time. Give me somebody that is serious about seeking God and we'll see revival that I come to this church and I come to this community. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can't let the world get in our hearts. We can't let the world creep into our lives. Listen to me. I got to thinking and praying about all of this, and I got to thinking about the Azusa Street Revival. I could be wrong because nothing's too hard for God, but I'm going to tell you, I don't know if there had ever been the Azusa Street Revival if there had been a Facebook. I don't know if there had ever been an Azusa Street Revival if there had been a TV, if there had been a radio, if there had been an iPhone, an iPad, 
a MacBook. Why, preacher? Because these are the things, and if you'll be honest, these are the things that are still in time and keeping us from praying and seeking God. God, help us today to wake up. I said, God, help us today to wake up. We need an awakening to start. Judgment must begin, and it must begin at the house of God. I want to tell you today, we didn't start into this thing to become like every other church. And, And thank God for our other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And by no means am I saying that we're elite because that's toxic in itself. And I can pick a few ministries out through the, through the area and even across the nation that I would say it looks like they've got it right. They've got it right, but I'm going to tell you something. The, the sad reality is, and I was praying over this early this morning, that nearly 80% of what I learned in church as a child and as a teenager, I've got to forget. And the 20% that was the move of God, the 20%. That was true revelation of his word that changed me. The 20% that was holy living and righteous living. That's what I've got to grab a hold of because there's a lot of that mess that is caused the religious spirit in the church today. And the truth is, like it or not, the glory has departed those places. Some of them wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if he showed up, flew by the church with a big old airplane and a banner behind it that says, this is the Holy Ghost, I'm about to fall on you. They wouldn't know if it was him or not. Deuteronomy 18 and 9, he said, When you come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Listen to me. I passed by a church, we passed by a church this week, headed into Daytona, that was called New Family Church and had a big rainbow flag out there on the lawn. I don't know if it was actually what you would call a gay church. I don't know. But they were embracing it. We're living in a time and in a day of cancel culture. Now, if you get up and walk out, and this is Jessica's not walking out on me, but if you get up and walk out on me during this right here, I'll know. Not you, Hayden. Go ahead. I know the Lord's dealing with you. You hear me? I said, I'll know. Something's not right. Do you hear me? Because this is the reality. We're living in a day and an hour that cancel culture is trying to quiet the church. And I want you to, I want to, I want you to know something. You know, we've got our little Facebook pages and we got that going on. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to hear me preaching as far as getting on there and trying to lamb blast and to say things. Because people on Facebook aren't going to receive it in the right spirit. But here I am on this Sunday morning preaching from this pulpit. And this will be posted. It's live streaming now on YouTube. And I know there are those that are watching it. But I'm going to tell you something. We better get a little bit of boldness about us. We better get a backbone again in the church and come to the place that we realize, you know what, they may say that they can cancel us, but I'm going to tell you something, they might take us off of YouTube, they might take us off of Facebook, and I might get kicked out of this gymnasium, but if I've got to stand on a tree stump at 1619 Highway 90, I'm still going to preach the truth of this word, and the truth is that sin is still sin, and sin will take you to hell. Churches like this mess down there. God help us.
Preach the truth, Pastor Hayden. Preach the truth, Pastor Marshall. Pastor Chad, Pastor Kenny, Pastor Donnie, preach the truth. Do you hear me? We've got to preach the truth. Are you listening to me? I said, we have got to preach the truth. And it's going to hair lip the devil. And some folks aren't going to like it. They don't like it when we say that abortion is sin. They don't like it when we say homosexuality is sin. They don't like it when we say adultery is sin. Are you hearing me? They don't like it when we preach against sin. But I'm going to tell you, if I stop preaching, on sin. I need to put the microphone down. Quit calling myself a preacher of this gospel because I'm no longer preaching the truth of God's word. I'm not preaching it in condemnation. I'm preaching it by the love of this word. And if you'll listen to the truth, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There's some things the Lord's leading me to preach on in the weeks ahead. Might run some of you off. That's not my intention. Had this conversation with my son this week. Dad, how do we preach that in the right spirit? Sometimes you got to pray it through. You got to know the Lord's leading you and dealing with you. And then you preach it in the right spirit. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to shy away from preaching things from this pulpit. If you get mad at me and I've preached it in the right spirit and the spirit of love and from the word of God and it's backed up by the word of God, it's not me you got a problem with. you got a problem with the word. See, most of Ponce de Leon is not in church today. Some are recovering from last night. Some are just having a lazy day. Some are at the springs. Some are at the lake. People don't want to go to church anymore. Why would they? Because when they show up and it's boring, when they show up, can we just be real in here today? When they show up and they can go to sleep. When they show up and there's no, there's nothing exciting, there's no change, there's no power. There, there's no, why would they want to go? I, I wouldn't want to go. As much as I love the Word of God, I'm going to tell you something. If the Holy Ghost ain't moving, I ain't going. And I got to praying over this this, this week, all of this right here. And I'm going to tell you something right here, so stay with me. I get the question now of very regular, when y'all going to start building? When y'all going to start building? I'm going to tell you what my new answer is. Oh, we've been building about two and a half years now. Actually, three. We've been building about three years. What? Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when we planted this church, we've been building about three years now. Because I'm going to tell you something. You are the church. You're the church. Not a building over there on that hill. You can give the Lord a hand for that. And I might as well just go ahead and serve you notice right now just so you know because I know everybody's still trying to get on with Vision 218 because all we've talked about is this open-air tabernacle. And I can tell that not everybody is buying into that vision. But I'm going to explain it to you. We're not ready to go build a big building over there. We're not, growth-wise, we're not ready. Financially, we're not ready. 
We're talking about a major, major financial undertaking to go build on that property over there. Can we just be real? Major. And here we are, and I've said the kingdom of God knows no recession. If the Lord drops the money in our laps tomorrow and says go build, guess what? I'm going to be sitting at at the Holmes County Building Department before they open with the application for a development order. Are you hearing me? We're going to do it if the Lord sends it, but you know what? We're not going to sit around spinning our wheels wondering, are we going to get to build? Are we going to get to build? Are we going to get to build? And we let days tick by and weeks tick by and months tick by And people that are out here that need Jesus aren't hearing about Jesus because all we're thinking about, are we going to build? Are we going to build? Are we going to build? Can we get that off of our minds this morning? And let's recognize we're here to build the church. And it starts with us seeing souls saved and lives changed, people born again by the... Ah, Are you hearing me today? Why do we want an open-air tabernacle out there, preacher? Because that's something that I know that can be accomplished through the help of the Holy Spirit and Him moving upon us. He'll empower us to do it, and it can be done for a fraction of what anything else would happen, and nearly immediately we can start having something on that property for our young people, for our children, for our men, for our women. I want to have a Holy Ghost camp meeting come the fall and see somebody get saved out there, Brother Adam. See somebody get filled with the Holy Ghost out there. That's why we're wanting to do that. But I just felt like I needed to tell you today. This is not our church. This is a gym. You are the church. Did you hear me? I said, you are the church, Mama Judy. You are the church, Sister Lori. You are the church. And when the glory of God shows up, he shows up and is manifest in his people and amongst his people. Do you know what God wants to do in Ponce de Leon? He wants to build a church. I pray he'll let us one day build him a house over there on that hill. But if we never see that, God help us to whatever state we we're in there with to be content. And if it means painting the lobby, somebody bring me a sprayer. And if it means repainting the floors in the back, somebody bring me a roller because I'm not going to be sidetracked from our mission, which is to see souls saved. I'm not going to be sidetracked from the mission, which is to be a place of miracles, a place of God's glory, a place of God's power that when an addict walk through, they walks through that door, they might come in high on meth, but they leave high on the Holy Ghost. They might come in drunk on vodka, but they leave drunk in the power of God's Spirit. Is there anybody with me today how to say we want God's glory? We want God's glory. We want His glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want His glory. More musicians. Just Brother Tim for now. I'm sorry. Such wickedness. I'm going to tell you what else. You know, another reason why people won't go to church. Because they were heard in church. 
Somebody heard him, the preacher, the worship leader, the youth pastor, the, the mama of that other kid. <laughs> I won't go to church. People don't want to go to church because it's dead, stagnant. I'm not even talking about good music and good preaching. I'm not talking about that. You know, you have all that and it'd still be dead and stagnant. People will pop in out of obligation because somebody invited them. See, this story is real interesting because, see, Eli was the one that was the father figure to the prophet Samuel. Samuel had been lent to the Lord from his mama Hannah because she said, Lord, if you'll give him to me, I'll give him to you. So she gave him to the Lord, and Samuel grows up hearing the voice of God in the house of Samuel or of Eli in the temple. One day Samuel heard something that scared him to death. He heard the Lord say, the cause of the sins of Hophni and Phinehas, judgment will come to the house of Eli. And Samuel was scared to death, and Eli was like, you've got to tell me all of it, son. Tell me. So he shared it, and exactly what he shared happened. And under Eli, the ark of God was taken. Samuel would grow up to be a man, a prophet of the Lord. And one day, he grabbed an oil bottle because the Lord said, go to the house of Jesse and you're going to anoint the next king of Israel. I'm stripping the kingdom from Saul. You're going to anoint the next king. And way out in a pasture was a little ruddy young man named David. He, Samuel goes down the long line of seven brothers, I believe it was, of David, and the Lord says, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that, all the way down. And he says, is there any other children? And Jesse's, I got one out in the field, but ain't a whole lot to him. He ain't much to look at. He says, go get him. See, David had been out in the field and taking care of the sheep and playing his harp. His heart was tender before the Lord. He was a worshiper. The Bible says that he, he grew up to be a man after God's own heart. And when Samuel saw him, the Lord said, that's him. Anoint him. He poured that oil on David's head. Listen to me. I don't want to come across that I'm saying that all the church is evil and all the church is, is hypocrites. and all. I'm not saying that. I'm so thankful for some godly pastors and for some great churches in our area. I'm so thankful. But what I am saying is I believe that most of us, if not all of us, are living beneath what God has for us. See, David one day rose to the occasion. He'd been anointed to be king. He'd killed a Goliath. Now he was king and something stirred in his heart. And he said, you know what? We need to go get the ark. We didn't even inquire about it in the days of Saul, the days of the flesh. Let's go get the ark. Al, he had a fumble in the process of trying to get it back home. He fumbled. 
Somebody lost their life as a result, and it grieved him. And for three months, he had to have wept before God, show me what to do. And he finally got the answer. The ark has got to come home on the shoulders of the Levites. David got the band together. He got the farmers together. He got the priests together, and he got the Levites together. He says, listen, guys, we're going to go do this, and we're going to do it the right way. Y'all get your music playing. They had the worship ready to go. You get the sacrifices ready. Had the prayer and the praise ready to go. He said, I'm going to be out here in the front, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance before the ark. And for mile after mile after mile, they sacrificed and worshiped and played, and David danced as the glory of God came back into Israel. You see, today we have been chosen just, when I say we, I'm talking about any born-again believer, not just, not just you, not just me, but any born-again believer. We have been chosen, as Peter put it in 1 Peter 2, that we are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood. We've been chosen For this moment, for a time such as this, like an Esther who bathed in oils for six months before she was able to go in for one night with the king, for such a time as this to save the people of Israel, we've been chosen for such a time as this. And I'm telling you, if we don't do three things, if we don't get our priorities right, If we don't get prayer and praise right, and if we don't get Holy Ghost power vibrating in our lives, friend, I'm going to tell you something. One or two, we're going to live beneath the privilege God's given us or we're headed to destruction. What we need right now it's priorities to shift into place. What does that mean, preacher? This is what it means. We need a revival of the fear of God. People don't fear God like they used to. Parents don't fear God like they used to. You hear me? I'm fixing to close, so just give me just, just like a few minutes. We need the fear of the Lord to be revived. What does that even mean, preacher? See, Satan feeds folks the line of if God loves me so much then why? And he he comes against the fact and the reality and the truth that God is love. We had this conversation this week around the dinner table. This is the reality. As great as he is in mercy He's also a God of judgment. And the fear of God being revived in our lives drives us to one thing, and it's called holiness. When we have the fear of God in our lives, we want to live holy before a holy God. Are you hearing me? The psalmist said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? 
of wisdom. You want to you have wisdom? It starts with fearing God. Listen to me. You might can hide it from those from your family. You might can hide it from people on the job. You might can hide it from everybody else. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not hiding it from God. He sees you. He knows you. He knows you're laying down. He knows you're getting up. He knows the very thoughts and the intents of your heart. We need a revival of the fear of God again that people will wholeheartedly believe as much as there is a heaven to gain, there is a hell to shun. We've not come to preach some kind of patty, patty cake, cracker juice, easy bake oven kind of relationship with Jesus. I'm telling you, we need the fear of God revived in us that says, you know what, if I die with sin in my heart, I'm on my way to hell. I know we're living in a day and an hour that eternal security has been preached again and again and again and there's many folks that are in hell today that if they could get their hands on that preacher that fed them that lie, they would want to wring his neck themselves when the reality is this. Hear me and understand, if backsliding was not possible, then it wouldn't be in this Bible. We need the fear of God revived in us again. Some of you are living on the fringes and on the edge and you're you're in church, you're out of church, you come, you don't come and you can't make your mind up what you want to do. I'm going to tell you something. If the rapture would take place right now, would you be left behind? If you were to die in an automobile accident on your way home, would you end up in hell? Are you hearing me? We need a fear of God in us today, a holy awe and reverence of who He is in His holiness and in His righteousness that we don't want anything in us that is displeasing to him or sinful. It's time some quit playing games and sell out to God. We need that revival. Get your priorities in line. Got a generation that's being raised by Disney. And you know what the result is? kids that are growing up that there's nothing to them to go to tarot cards and psychics and Ouija boards and wizards and witches and all that. Why? Because Disney has just covertly brought it again and again and again. And can I tell you what else now? It's because Disney's mission is they're going to have the leading characters be those that are gay or transgender or one of those kind of God help us. But that's where we're at. I'm convinced that Mickey's never been with Minnie. He's always been running off with Goofy. We just didn't know about it. Are you hearing me? But the reality today is this that we better quit letting TV raise our children. We better quit letting iPads and iPhones and and phones, attract phones, raise our babies. We better realize that there is a devil out there that has heard the shout in your camp and he's determined to bring destruction. He's determined to steal the glory out of your home. We better wake up I hadn't preached to you in a week and a half, so bear with me. I know a lot of us are too young to remember 1962. But do you know what happened? Madeline Murray O'Hara succeeded in a court case that caused prayer to be taken out of school. 
Now, that's not even a correct statement because prayer hasn't been taken out of school. Not as long as we got some saved Holy Ghost-filled educators that are still in the school system. There's still prayer going on in our schools. Can we thank the Lord for that? Amen. But I want to back you up to a couple decades before when prohibition was overturned and alcohol became legal. I want to back you up to a decade or so before when rock and roll come on the stage and the whole thought was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Are you hearing me? I want to back you up to when motion pictures come into, into, uh, into being. All these things begin to happen. And I know we don't think, because there's a lot of good that we can find in these things. But I'm going to tell you, Satan has things in his arsenal that we just don't, we underestimate. And I want you to look at how the course of a nation changed from 1914, Azusa Street Revival, to 1962. And the things that happened from that moment, a revival that swept all around the world. A revival, actually, it was 1906, Azusa Street. 1914 was the founding of the Assemblies of God. But from those years to 1962, and we could fast forward to 1973, Roe versus Wade, and abortion becomes legal. And fast forward to around what, 2015 or 16, when gay marriage becomes legal. Are you hearing me? The church fell asleep. The church grew stagnant. The church grew lukewarm. The church had Ichabod written over the door and the glory departed and so as goes the church so goes the nation God wants to bring revival I said God wants to bring revival and let it start with me Lord let it start with you let it start with your home let it start with our church get priorities right we need a revival of prayer again, Fausti. Man, I got to quit, don't I? Help me, Lord. Listen to me. We will not experience more of God without prayer. Dwayne, how old are you? 14? I pulled you up on the stage not too many weeks ago, months ago. I ain't going to do that to you today. But you're the age that I was when I got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. A year later, called to preach. And I can remember as a teenager, Pastor Hayden, we'd gather in the old fellowship hall in Chipley at First Assembly. We'd get in there and kneel down at chairs and we'd pray for that new service. I can remember as a teenager, it wasn't about three or four of us that did it, but Brother Adam, we had an all-night prayer meeting. Now, Stephen, you remember them days. All-night prayer meeting. Sleep a little while, pray a little while. Once you got past midnight, it was one of them kind of things. It was like, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Help me endure this. 
Then you wake up and start praying again. But we endured. We stayed and we prayed all night long. There was a hunger in me to pray. There was a desire in me to pray. And I saw the fruits of it. The more I prayed, the more God moved in my life. The more I prayed, the more victory that I walked in. The more I prayed, the more the Lord helped me. The more it didn't mean, doesn't mean I didn't stumble. Doesn't mean I didn't have faults and failures because I did. But as a teenage young man, I just I found out what prayer was all about. And it, and it was stuck with me all through the years. And going up into being a youth pastor, and I'll just say this to you, 1990, uh, 96, uh, no, not, yes, the first part, nope, uh, 95, I'm sorry, I'll get it right, 1995, oh, I don't remember when it was, 1996, uh, I think it was 96, because we had a youth chapel at New Smyrna, just got built, but I started trying to push it in those young people, that we've got to get on our face and pray, and I remember clearing the chairs out one Tuesday night. We were having youth services on Wednesday night. And I remember clearing them chairs out and calling for that prayer meeting every Tuesday night with those young people. Every Tuesday night. And it got to where there was just a few showed up to start with. Then it was 10. Then it was 20. Then it was 25. Then it was pushing 30 young people lining the walls of that little youth chapel. And all of a sudden we started seeing mamas and daddies that were bringing those young people were staying out in the sanctuary and they were praying and seeking God. And can I tell you from that year, we had just built built a new sanctuary the year before and from that year we began to experience some of the most mighty moves of God that I've ever been in that lasted for about four or five years. We watched that thing grow. I'll never forget standing in the pulpit thanking the Lord for 250 in Sunday school and God blessed it and God prospered it but it wasn't because of a man and it wasn't because of a woman, but it was because of some people, including the young people, and one of them's back there with his hand raised, that is your young adult pastor, Brother Chad, and one of, a couple of them's back at that sound booth, Brother Larry and Sister Becky, and they'll tell you today that we saw a wave of God's glory as God moved in that place. Listen to me. If we've got to be in an old gym, why don't we make it a place of prayer? Why don't we say we will be a praying people and we can experience our powerful God. Brother Stephen, you were there. Sister Tina, you were there. You guys, I think, were there. Maybe, I don't know. Yes, you was. I don't know. If you were, you were babies. Were they little, little bitty? Still getting your diapers changed. But y'all were there. Are you hearing me today? I'm telling Brother Mo, were you there about that time? God wants to do it at Cross Point Church. He's looking for some folks that will recognize that you need revival in your own heart and it's a revival of prayer. I wore you out this morning. I'm sorry. Go ahead and give me some more musicians up here and singers. Listen to me, church. Listen. I want you to stop for just a second and examine your own heart when it comes to prayer. And I want you to ask yourself, how's my prayer life? Is it stagnant? Is it even in existence? I'm going to tell you what we watched this week. Brother Clint, 
We watch that St. John's River. It's one of the only rivers that flows north. But twice a day, the tide changes. And you watch it where it goes from flowing north, north to flowing south. But there's times when the flow stops and it's stagnant. There's all kind of junk in the water. Green mess and mulched up lily pad junk that motors have mulched up when they went through. It's just everywhere. Not everywhere, but a lot of places. And I didn't know this. I think it was Brother Clint that told me it had to have been you because it was in the last day or two that we was there. That when the water goes stagnant, the shad quit running. And when they quit running, the bass, their feeding habits change. It's not as easy to pull in that trophy bass. My point is this, that when your prayer life goes stagnant, there's no signs of life. I'm telling you, you ain't experienced fish until you've been sitting on the boat in the St. John's River and all of a sudden from nowhere the shad are, are, are moving and the bass are, I mean, they're hitting everywhere, Brother Marshall, everywhere. And there I am with my rod and reel. I've got my lure and I got tangled just a second ago and I'm trying to get the line off of it and the bass are going crazy everywhere and I can't do it and I'm getting all up in a tizzy because I want to cast in there because if I can get it in there, I'll catch something. Happened to me a few times. How many folks are stagnant today? Oh, you used to be on fire. You used to be red hot and on fire. You used to experience the presence of God, not just in church, but at home, in your prayer life, in your, in your devotional time. You'd experience God, but you've allowed prayer to stop that flow and inflow and outflow, that, that, that ingress and egress that happens in your life through prayer. You lay things down. You pick things up from the Lord. That flow and that north flow, that south flow, you're, you're putting up and he's putting down. You've let that stop and now you're stagnant and there's no life. You need revival. Because I'm going to tell you something, little man. Even at your age, Holy Ghost power, Mama. Holy Ghost power. It's what we must have. I want you to stand with me. I preached too long to you today. I apologize. I've just had so much in me, it's been bottled up in there. Is the glory gone? Is it gone for good? Is it gone for good? Will we never experience that again? Is it over? I can't believe that. I'm one that believes, Sister Courtney, that God moving is not a memory of yesterday. I know we've had some incredible services here. I know he's done some amazing things here. I'm not discounting any of that. I'm not discounting what he's moving and doing in any other church or any other place, but I'm telling you the magnitude that I believe he wants to do here. He wants to do miracles. He wants this to be a place of transformation, 
I want you to understand that that starts with us, Brother Blaine, in our own homes, in our own personal lives, Sister Shelby. Who's hungry for him? See, Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. Moses had seen all that he had done with his hands, everything that he had done, all the plagues, all the miracles, he had seen it all, but there was something in Moses that said, I want to see your face. Show me your glory. I just wonder, is there anybody here today that has that kind of heart? Lord, I just want to see you. I want to see your presence. I want to see, I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. I, I need revival in my soul. I've grown stagnant in some areas. I've grown complacent in some areas. I've grown dry in some areas. I've slid back in some areas that I used to be so, so committed to. Lord, I, I, somebody that I say to the Lord, Lord, I, I need you to come with the freshness of the Holy Ghost and pour out in my heart and in my life. If I'm going to make it through my tomorrow I've got to have revival in my today is the glory gone no no the glory departed with Ichabod being born but it returned with David dancing back into the city We fast forward a thousand years later. We find that on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had died on the cross and rose again, he sent his glory. He sent his power. He sent his Holy Spirit. This morning, I'm not going to belabor this. If your heart's not right with God, I want you to come to this altar and make things right today. But I'm going to make this very simple because I believe every one of us need to spend a season of prayer in these altars today. I believe every one of us need to call out unto him today. So I want to ask you this morning, if you will, if you'll come and let's just let's just cry out unto him together as a church family for his glory to be revealed in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, and in our church. If we can come, these, these rugs are up here for you to be able to kneel up here, kneel at these altars.